I mean, most successful people, in my opinion, they just go through a door and they keep going through doors till they find the right path. They're just stubborn. And some people might find the right door sooner than others, but that's really all success is. Unless you have a mental disability, there's no reason you can't use deductive reasoning and go, you know, the stove's hot. I'm not going to touch that again. So I just think the average person, they're just, they're not going down the right path. And if I had found that path sooner, I think I would have gotten my goal a lot faster. So check this out. What about being an eight-figure entrepreneur before the age of 30? And I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about this guy. So I'm with a clubhouse friend, Tanner, Tanner Chidester. Tanner, thanks for coming on The Disruptive Entrepreneur. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. We connected off Clubhouse for once. It's a miracle. Yeah, you've actually gone and got a life, haven't you? Because you're not oh. on it so much anymore. <laughs> well, I've, I've taken a little break, but I, I'm, I'm assuming you're still going strong, yeah? <laughs> I'll st- every day. John oh, Lee's done 9,400 days in a row. <laughs> that's crazy yeah it's all good but was it good for you at the start um did it generate some business for your clubhouse build your brand yeah i think so i mean and it still is i i think it's definitely helpful but it was just coming to the point i I wasn't enjoying it anymore and i think it was you kind of had to be all day to get the advantage you know you can go out for a few hours but it doesn't it it defeats the purpose in my opinion you kind of have to commit to the day um so it was helping but i just (laughs) I couldn't keep going, man. I, I did two months like that, and it was time to kind of do it. Right. So, Tanner, you're an eight-figure entrepreneur now. You're not even 30. So why don't you take us on the journey of how you got there? Yeah, it's a long journey. Uh, so I grew up in a family, seven kids, uh, very conservative household. My dad was a Mormon or you know, better known as LDS, so we were raised very you know, conservatively. Uh, I was picked on a lot as a kid. Uh, I think you know, tea parties from the sisters – and the dress up, it didn't really help me much. Uh, and then I was just kind of, I was just kind of a weird kid. And, and I, again, being in a conservative household, you start going to school and people are dropping F-bombs. I didn't even know what an F-bomb was. And I was like 12. So around, I would say sixth grade, I really started realizing that kids were making fun of me. And so I started working out. And in my head, I was, I was thinking, I'm going to get muscle so I can beat these kids up so they'll stop messing with me. That's actually what started and about three months later, we started, I started gaining muscles uh, and, you know, I had those beginner gains and people started kind of backing off and they're like, hey, dude, like, how are you doing this? And, and people are starting to be nice to me. And I said, man, this is this is nice. Um, and then I started really excelling at American football and I realized, OK, like this gives me an advantage. And I got really passionate about sports. So I'd say from 12 to 22, that was my life. Uh, nine hours a day. I mean, during the summer, I would wake up, train three hours, eat, sleep, go to bed, train three hours, repeat. And I got all the way to the division one level. And then I've, I've had multiple surgeries. I've had probably 12 surgeries, different surgeries, couldn't stay healthy. And then that's when uh, football ended and my life kind of ended in a sense where I was very depressed for a while because that was my identity. I'd always been a football player. I was very good. Everyone kind of knew me for that. Um, so I started trying different things. I was going to school. I was also doing fitness modeling. Um, but I realized that wasn't what I wanted to do. So I had very good grades, uh, but I dropped out and, uh, everyone thought I was stupid and crazy. I thought I was stupid and crazy, but there was one guy who actually, uh, told me to do that. His name's David Fry and he's connected with Russell Brunson and click funnels and start showing me that world. So from 23 to 25, I actually moved home at 23, lived at my parents' house so I could get mentored by this guy for free and start building my business. 
I learned a lot of stuff, but I didn't get any traction. So between about 20, the, between those years, I did door to door sales and I did serving at a restaurant called Olive Garden. Uh, I don't know if it's over there or not, but it's in the States. And um, essentially after that, uh, I realized I wasn't going anywhere. So I'm 25. I've left school. A lot of people are making fun of me. I'm starting to feel defeated because I'm working really hard, but I'm not seeing any results. So I scroll down on Facebook and I see an ad for, you know, how to build an online coaching business. Click on it, have no idea what high ticket sales are, get on the phone call, get pressured sell into it. I've got probably 2000 bucks in my bank account. I drop five G's, um, put the rest on a credit card and I get in the program and essentially, I, I wouldn't say it was the best program in the world. Also, it also wasn't the worst. It was just, it basically said, okay, so get people on the phone and then close them on a high price deal. At the time I was selling a, something called the rapid muscle system it was 47 bucks. And so I, I start calling these people on the phone and in the first week I made 10 grand. And then I started building up to around, you know, 30 to $50,000 a month. And then during that time, I'm killing myself. I'm working 12 hour days. I'm, I'm not talking to girls, all those things. Um, but then I start learning ads and then from there the business blows up. And then, you know, to date, I've probably, I think we just crossed over 30 million or something like that in total revenue. Um, so first year was a million and, and then it's exponentially increased. We did 10 the year before 15 this year or last year. And then hopefully this year we're trying to get over 20. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the story in a nutshell, Rob. Hopefully that was a thorough enough. <laughs> um, the, the 23 to 25 years were rough to say the least. They, they felt like 10 years. What a story. So let's give you, you and everyone on the show, a bit of a flavor for what's coming. So we're going to talk a bit about sales and selling. We're going to talk a bit about dealing with fast growth and success and maybe competition and comparing yourself to others. And then we're going to do a quick fire round um, where we've got some choices for you to make. So if anyone now is under 30 years old, well, it could be anyone, actually, but you're 29. Um, what should they do in the online space? You know, how do they get successful pretty quick like you did in the online space? Uh, selling anything, coaching, training, whatever, mentoring space? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm a big fan of high ticket sales. One, because that's what helped me. And then two, I think that's just what gets someone out of a very broken situation into a good situation. So when you're, you know, when you're making three grand a month, you don't have resources to build anything, right? All the, I see all these people go on Shark Tank and the reason they go on Shark Tank is they have no money. That's the only way that they can actually push their business. And if you notice a theme, they're all product-based businesses. And there's nothing wrong with products. I mean, you can make a huge product company. But for me, if you're someone who doesn't have that option or you don't have investors, really, you want to have something that's going to bring in cash flow very, very fast, right? And so for me, selling something at three grand, I only had to make three sales a month and I was already tripling my income. So... I think for the average person, they just really have to figure out, you know, what is it that they can sell at a high price that people find valuable? And there's a million things. In fact, the longer I'm in the industry, the more I realize the almost the broader it is or the more, even the more away from business it is, Rob, it does better to where, for example, you could like, if you sell something that, Hey, you want to make, you know, 10 to 20 K a month, but not run a business. Those actually do better. Than the offers for business owners because it takes more work. So 
there's so many different things you can offer to people, whether it's fitness coaching, health coaching, copywriting, you can do um, all kinds of stuff. So that's where I try to get people to start because most people just don't have a lot of money. And so it's like, how can you change your financial situation as fast as possible with the least amount of risk? As far as I know, that's that's the only way to really do it with very low risk. And what mistakes do you think entrepreneurs, online entrepreneurs, start and scale up entrepreneurs are making right now? Just starting the wrong businesses or investing in a lot of inventory and product. Again, like I don't think there's anything wrong with the product-based business. Anything can be done. There's always anomalies. There's always you know people you can point to. But again, for the average person, if you got you know three grand is it really make a lot of sense to go get a bunch of inventory and sell something for super cheap that you can't run any marketing spend behind? I mean, I know you run a ton of ads. I run a ton of ads. So it's just not worth your time. You know, part of the reason I failed with the $47 offer is I was selling literally $47 offers to people in Facebook DMs. I, okay, well, let's say I sell five a day. That doesn't change anything. Like the extra 250 a day, it does not change my situation really at all. It's just not enough. And I wasn't selling that many. So I think the biggest mistake is they're just trying to sell. They're, they're using the wrong vehicle. They're using the wrong vehicle to go from point A to B. Um, and now that I have cash and I have liquid assets, I can really kind of start doing, quote unquote, whatever I want. Right? I can start building other businesses that take investments. So I just think the average person, they're just they're not going down the right path. And if I had found that path sooner, I think I would have gotten my goal a lot faster. What's helped you grow the most? If you could pick between one and three tactics that have helped you scale the most, what would they be? Yeah, first one's ads. Being able to to put my name in front of people who don't know who I am. I mean, businesses die because people don't know they exist. Number two is going to be outbound messaging, learning how to speak to people um, in a way that gets them to take the action I want. So if you have an online business, you only have two ways to talk to people, messaging, or phone call. So it was that. And then third, I think it was actually more outbound systems. What I've realized is that I think the average person, when they think of online business, they think I'm going to press a button. Everyone's going to come to me and I'm going to be rich. That's what I thought. So I was running webinars and people just weren't signing up and I was getting upset and said, man, this sucks. And then all I had to do is I started following up with every single lead via messenger. And all of a sudden I started making millions of dollars. I was like, Oh, so you have to follow up. You can't just sit back and hope the leads take action, right? So I think the outbound systems mixed with the ads is what a lot of people miss and they don't understand that. They think that when they run ads, it gets easier. It's not necessarily the case. It's just, you don't have to go hunt leads. You don't have to waste all your time messaging people who don't know who you are. They're coming right to you, but you still have to have systems to push them through and make them become sales. Um, when you say systems, what do you mean by that? Do you mean a process or do you mean automation? I'd say more a process. I mean, I've actually found that more automation usually is not as good. I found that the more scaling unscalable things, that's really what's made the difference for me. I do things that most people are unwilling to do and therefore it sets me apart. So we've, we just implemented a new system. Um, I'm similar situation to you where I'm essentially completely pulled out of the business. But when a new system comes in, sometimes I'll go in and do it myself to make sure it's done the way I want it done when my team takes over. And so I've been doing that the last few days with a certain aspect. And people are like, wow, like you're calling like you and like your team's doing this. And it just creates all it separates you from everyone else because there's so many offers out there. So I think I think that's the difference. I've just done a lot of things that most people would say don't do. It's too time consuming. It's not worth it. 
And then in the end, it's really what set me apart and helped me make a lot of money. Yeah, something I've learned in business is if most people tell you not to do something, you probably should do it <laughs> and vice versa. Yeah. Um, so what are some of those things you've been doing that other people are telling you you shouldn't be doing or other people aren't prepared to do? Yeah, well, first thing is we we message literally every single lead, whether they come through a messenger bot or a Facebook group. And then we will tag. So, for example, if we get 300 people in a Facebook group a day, every single person will get messaged. Every single person will get tagged. And then we will keep following up with them until they they open. The other thing we're doing is on the front end is we'll get their email and phone number immediately within five to 10 minutes. We're starting to call people. Now, we're not always perfect on the five to 10 minute part, but we're calling every single lead. So if you start getting you know 10 to 20,000 leads a month and you're doing that, I promise you, you're going to make sales. Uh, you you have to make sales because the amount of follow-up you're doing is it's just people can't scale it or they're just not willing to do it. And most of the times I would say even just people can't scale it because they don't have the team. And you know, Rob, like as you get bigger in business, it really comes down to your team. So you're, the advantage you have of being a bigger company, especially in the online space is most people can't compete with you because you are spending so much more and you have such a bigger team that you know, you could have five people calling everyone versus it's their solopreneur and they just can't compete with that. So again, I just think it comes down to like scaling unscalable systems and, and over and over again, when I see eight figure businesses, typically the pattern I see is they're doing similar things of that nature that a lot of other people aren't doing, or they're just trying to automate everything or they're trying to run it to an automatic webinar. So I hope that makes sense. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense, mate. So sales or marketing, gun to your head, which one is the most important and why? It's like being in a versus room on Clubhouse. I'm like ready for I'm like ready because of Clubhouse. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say sales. Uh you can make sales without running ads, you know, but you can't um you can't have the you can't have marketing and then not make sales. Like sales is what drives the entire business. Um so I think they both are interchangeable. You know, now now if like you took all my marketing away, my revenue would drop substantially. But the one thing I've always said is if I lost everything today, I know that I'll always be able to make a lot of money because I know how sales work. So sales are sales is absolutely the big key. But you know, I'll say this without marketing, it's it's puts a real cap on your income. We'll say that. Okay. So give us some tactics on how to sell anything to anyone. Anything to anyone, huh? I don't know about anything. Um, well, here's what I like to do. So you have two options, you know, first when you're, I, I like ads, you know, you, I think you love ads too. It's just, it's, it's a more efficient way. And ultimately when you build a team, if you want to have really good players, they're going to want leads. You know, um, I still make my guys work if, if we need to, but at the end of the day, I just think having someone come in and generate all their own leads is it's a big ask. If you want, retention. So what we like to do is we either run our ads through to Facebook Messenger first, or we'll run it to an opt-in page. And then what we'll do is if we run to the opt-in page, we'll start calling and texting immediately within five to 10 minutes, ideally. If they don't pick up, we'll double dial or triple dial. So notice like when you call people, you can actually use a local ID number. So it's more likely they're going to pick up because they start thinking like, is this mom, is this dad, et cetera. And then if they don't, you double or triple dial because sometimes the first time you call, that just gets their attention. People don't actually usually pick up a number unless you call a couple of times if they don't recognize it. So we do that and then we'll text them and then we send them to the Facebook group. And as soon as they come in the Facebook group, we start messaging them and then they're getting smashed with all the retargeting ads. 
So we're hitting them from every single angle you can think of. In terms on the Facebook side, if we run a messenger, we'll start engaging them immediately in messenger. Same thing, we'll start calling them and texting them. And then obviously we push to the Facebook group after that, we start messaging them inside the Facebook group plus the retargeting ad. So when it's all said and done, people, uh, they either love us or hate us because they're getting smashed from all angles. And, and they're, <laughs> they're, they're just, you know, they're like, man, this is a lot. I had one guy the other day where he was, he wasn't too happy about it. And I just said, Hey man, you know, we're just, we're just trying to do our job and make sure we help the people who want help. But that's what I found to be the most effective is, is, the more outbound you do, the more you build your systems and team around that, the stronger it makes your business. Because if for whatever reason, ads are not working as well, or Facebook is doing all this nonsense it's doing lately or whatever, it, it literally makes the difference. Because, you know, you see so many people who don't do that. And all of a sudden, when we do that, I just see my revenue skyrocket. People just think, oh, I'm not getting a 4x. And they think it's the ads. They think, you know, that's the funniest thing. I think a lot of people, they they think the media buyer has a lot of control. The media buyer doesn't really have any control. I mean, they have very limited control on the targeting. What it comes down to is following up and the outbound systems or systems in general, in my opinion. So every time we're struggling, I don't go look at the ads or the ad manager. I'll go look at our systems and start putting in new systems. And that usually makes a difference. Hopefully that was, did I answer the question? <laughs> yeah, you did. So good. You can answer it your way, your way. Um, so who are people you look up to in business and who's winning big online? I mean, I like Russell Brunson a lot um, just because like he's, I think he's helped my business. I think a lot of those awards they give out, people mention them to me all the time. Oh yeah, like I've seen you, you got the 10X award or, you know, and, and it's funny, but he, it's, it works for him as well, but it also works for me. Like him, his company gives my company credibility and vice versa. So he's kind of built a, I would almost say like an MLM network marketing type atmosphere. It's a little, it's kind of cool. Like he's very smart about that. Um, and, and it helps with his company and mine. Um, so I like, I like Russell. I also think he carries himself in a very good way. I don't really know anyone who doesn't like Russell. I'm sure they're out there, but when I've seen him and how he interacts, it, it just seems difficult why someone might not like him. I think, you know, I'm super aggressive, you know, like Grant Cardone, for example, super aggressive. I can understand if someone doesn't like that style, right? That makes sense to me. So I like Russell. Um, I've also, I don't have, I don't have any other specific names per se, but I've, I've met a lot of individuals, you know, in Miami um, who, you know, people don't even know they exist. Like some, there's like undercover billionaires for real who you're a billionaire. What do you do? And just have these massive tech companies or do these other incredible things. So I think as I've made more money, what's cool is I, I keep meeting people who are at completely different levels who continue to push me and inspire me to want to go to the next level. And I think that's the irony too, Rob, is, you know, I used to think like 10,000 was a lot. And then I thought a million. And, and every time I get to a new level, I meet someone else. And I'm like, my goodness, like, I'm like, I'm so beneath you. Like, and, and that's what pushes me. But I don't have any other specific names besides Russell per se, but I think that's more just because I'm looking beyond the online marketing space at this point in terms of people who inspire me. I think, I think I've kind of accomplished what I wanted to in this space. I'm going to keep doing it, but I definitely want to do other things as well. Cool. What are some um, success habits of high achievers? I think first one is, you know, wake up early. 
I, I, I find that the time before my team calls and my day starts, I can get a lot done. I also like to work out on a daily basis. That's my stress relief. Uh, I don't know this for a fact. I don't have any scientific proof, but I'm actually curious how many people who have alcohol or drug problems who don't work out because I truly think if I didn't have that stress relief, I'd, I'd have to do one of those two because you know how business gets. It's stressful. It's very stressful at times. And sometimes you just need a break. Um, I've done that. I've also tried to start meditating in the morning. I'm not perfect, but that's that's super helpful. Um, and then I just think having a tenacious work ethic. I don't know why, but business just has never felt that hard for me. I think part of the reason I've done well is I enjoy it. Like I truly enjoy working, but I, I just can't remember the last time I met someone who just doesn't work really hard. who's very successful. There's, there's always some type of struggle or story where it's like, wow, like that person really went through it. Um, and then, and then just never giving up. It sounds super cliche, but there's so many people who I think they, they can only, they just quit too early. They just keep getting disappointed, disappointed. And it's funny because if you look at my story, um, I almost quit and went back to school. Like I was this close, you know, because those two years I wasn't making any money and I'm living in a, you know, very bad conditions. And I just was like, I don't want to keep doing this. And I almost quit. And I think most people, that's what happens. They try, they start, they're not successful. A couple of years go by and they say, you know what? It's just not for me. I'm just going to go back to this because my situation right now is even worse. Um, so those are, those are kind of my tips, I guess. I interviewed Marissa Peer. She's, um, she's big and she's a, a, a famous therapist. And she said, lots of regular sex is really important. What do you think about that? I mean, it's not a bad thing. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure my girlfriend probably doesn't mind that statement. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it's funny though, Rob, because like when I was building my business, I didn't talk to girls hardly at all. I don't know if you did, but I, I actually would think about the date and I'd cancel them. Because I'd be like, okay, 30 minutes there, 30 minutes back, two hours at dinner minimum. She may not be that great anyways. Nah, like I'll just pass. Because I actually was thinking about the time I could be working. Um, so I, I think I think that's probably an accurate statement. It probably helps with stress too. But it's funny because when I was building the business, I, I didn't talk to girls hardly at all, ironically. If you were going back and starting again, would you have more balance or would you be as obsessed? Nah, I'd do the same thing. It's easy to say balance, but when you're just driven, it just it's what I think about. It's just what I want to do. I, I just don't feel I don't enjoy feeling like I didn't do my best. So even today, Rob, I'm putting in this new system for our team and I'm, I'm doing the 12 hour days again and, I, and I'm tired and it's kind of annoying. But at the end of the day, when I go to sleep, I'm like, I don't know, you just you just have like that satisfaction of like, man, I like dominated the day and I did something. When I have too much free time or I feel like I'm just kind of laying around or I'm just not really productive, I don't I don't really feel happy and I don't really feel satisfied. So I really learned that, you know, now that I've made a decent amount of money, that it's really just the money's a scorecard. You know, I, I thought the money was gonna make me super fulfilled. It was actually a little depressing when I got it, and then I was I didn't really feel that much better, uh, like to be quite honest. But now it's just, it's really the scorecard. So I like growth. I like seeing my business grow. I like seeing my employees make more money. I like doing new things. And so hopefully that answers it. So I think we both have the same Lamborghini. And a lot of people say, oh, it's not about material items. 
I fucking love my Lamborghini. Yeah. Does, does money and material items make you happy? Yeah, I would say, so I'd say this, I would say it doesn't make you feel fulfilled, but it definitely isn't a bad thing. You know, I used to say this though. I used to say when people said money doesn't make you happy, I used to just say, you're just broke. That's what I'd say in my head. I wouldn't say that to them, but I'm like, yeah, well, you're broke. That's, that's, you have to justify why you're broke. Cause as humans, even me, you know, we justify stuff all the time. If someone makes more than us, we go, oh, it's cause of this. Oh, well, I'm younger. Oh, well, this, you, you're looking for a reason to make your situation that's lesser, not seem as bad. We, we all do it. Right. So, I mean, my girlfriend brings up Justin Bieber and I'm like, ah, yeah, but you know, like I'll say something in my head and be like, yeah, but I'm still better than him. Right. Even though he's, he's, he's his own boss in his own way. So, um, I, I will say what doesn't make you fulfilled, but they're fun. And, and I think when it comes down to it, life's about people and relationships and experiences. And so, yeah, like I say now it's funny. I say, I don't care about the Lamborghini now, but that, that was such a landmark for me. That was so cool to say that I could drop half a million dollars on a stupid sports car. That's very uncomfortable, honestly, but it's fast and it's fun. But it's, it's like, I get in the car, I'm like, this isn't even that comfortable. Like, and then, you know, you have to keep the battery on it and stuff. But yeah, it was, it was what it represented. It was the fact that I went out and I set a goal and I said, I'm going to own a Lamborghini one day. And I did it. Um, and I think that actually means more than owning the things itself. And, but yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it doesn't make you happy. I would just say it doesn't make you quote unquote fulfilled. So are you a competitive person? <laughs> yeah, extremely, extremely. And, um, is there a downside to that? Yeah. It, you can sacrifice a lot. I mean, I'm a, I'm, I'm a very driven person. And, you know, when I listen to inspirational things, like if I hear an Arnold speech or, you know, a Gary Vee speech, you know, I can go off the deep end because I'm just that way. And I just, I want to know that I did everything I can do. I think a lot of human beings, they, they say I did my best. And I'm like, you don't even know what your best is. You don't even know the human body can do, you know, David Goggins, that book, I relate to that mindset. I'm not saying I want to go do what he's doing because I don't personally, I, I just don't see the need. Like I don't need to prove I can do 8 trillion pushups in a row or something, but I understand his mindset of just do it. Like you can do anything you want. And so the downside to that though is, you know, not everyone's that way. Right. And I had a friend say this to me, he goes, dude, you built this business because you're so organized and structured and you're so, efficient and he, he goes you know what though people are not efficient like human beings are not efficient and so he says he just said you know if you want to start feeling happier you're going to have to give time to people and you're going to have to be okay with maybe things are not efficient meaning people are going to show up late to dinner and or the plan doesn't go perfect and because i that's i think that's part why i didn't date girls because it felt inefficient to me because i was so focused on business so I think you and me are similar in different ways, Rob, but that's the downside. I think it can hurt your personal relationships, but at the same time, it's part of what makes us successful. And, and I've even had therapists and other people say that, They're like, you know what? You could say it's all bad, but it's really not because that's what's made you who you are. But that's sometimes I think you do have to know when to kind of pull back. Yeah. Do you ever suffer with comparing yourself to others and it making you feel maybe not great? Sure. Yeah. I think... Yeah, how'd you deal with that? I don't think I always deal with it that well. <laughs> I, I think just the 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 nature of me is that I feel I always have felt when I see someone, I've never been jealous. I've always felt if they can do it, then I can do it too. 
I just don't naturally become jealous because I, I just know what I'm capable of, but um, it can start driving me to that kind of crazy work ethic again. Or I start feeling like, you know, it's crazy, but I never thought I'd say, oh, I, only, I only did 15 million last year. That's, that's pathetic. But you meet a guy who's doing 100 mil, you might say that. You, you might go, yeah, it's, it's a little better. So it, it doesn't, it, I, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. I don't know how if I'm that good at dealing with it, but that stuff inspires me. And I do like being around people like that. I like being around people who I feel like are making moves with their life and doing things that are extraordinary because when we die, that's all we really have. And, and for whatever reason, I don't know if it was my childhood or how my dad raised me or a mix, but I have the biggest fear. People go, what's your biggest fear? I just, I just fear being ordinary. I feel, I fear being average. And when football ended, it's that's part of what pushed me into business because for six months I was quote unquote average. And it's it was like, man, this is the rest of my life. Like I'm gonna just wake up and go to work and and that's it. And that's kind of what drives me a little bit, I would say. How often would you say you're just happy, just being and happy being? Not enough. <laughs> Not enough. I think I think I sacrificed a lot to get to where I'm at. Um, I also, I also put a lot of pressure on myself to make sure my family's okay and to, to just make sure my business is okay. And sometimes, you know, sometimes I feel like if I step out for too long or X, Y, and Z, it won't be. Um, and then I, th I think I've gotten used to being busy. So when you get used to being busy, it's hard to kind of get out of that mindset where you don't feel like you're being efficient if you're not constantly working or constantly doing something. Um, but yeah, yeah, that'd be, that's my answer. If you had to pick between traditional education, you know, school degree, uni, all that, or self-education, which would you pick and why? Self. Um, yeah, school is a complete waste of time. Yeah. It actually upsets me. I, I'm at, like, you know, as I've gotten older, essentially, you know, school didn't teach. I didn't. I don't use anything from school past sixth grade. The best. The best years of school was kindergarten through sixth grade. I learned arithmetic. I learned how to write, type on a keyboard. I learned how to write, multiply. Everything after that, I, I don't think I've ever used it. Um, they don't go over stocks. They don't go over investing. They don't go over business. They don't teach you how to do taxes. Nothing that actually is useful. Um, so the system, in my opinion, is broken. If you have to get the degree for a job, great. But otherwise, I don't see the point. I don't ask anyone if they have a degree, nor do I care. Um, and I feel like it wasted a lot of my years. I feel like if I could go back in time, I wish that, you know, I could have. I don't know. Left, I wish I could have not gone to school. I wish even even sports, you know, I, it's hard to say because it's 2020, but I even look at my goal of playing sports and. I wish I just stopped playing sports sooner. I wish I met the guys who were going to play in the NFL sooner because once I met them, I, I understood. And I just put that time into building a business. So it's all 2020, but you know, the most progress I made is just going through self-education, paying people, seeing what they're doing, learning marketing, testing, trial and error. A lot of the stuff I did in school, it, it not only wasn't relevant, but it didn't hasn't helped me in my life at all. And and even as an engineer, the irony is you learn all these formulas of math and then you plug it into machine anyways. So, I, I, I mean, it's like I, I just don't a lot of it just, in my opinion, is a huge waste of time. And, and that's 
that's why I'm glad I found business too. So if you had to choose between all the money in the world, but never fulfilled or happy as fuck, but skint, which would you choose? I guess being fulfilled. Um, just because once you make a certain amount of money now, it, again, it's 2020. Cause if you said that and I was poor or I had never made money, I probably would say the opposite, but I've, you know, once you get to a certain level of money hitting the next level, you don't really feel any different, right? I don't think I would feel any different, you know, hitting a hundred million a year than I would hitting what I hit now or, or vice versa. But you know, you want to feel good. You want to, at the end of the day, when you're by yourself and no one's around and it's quiet, I think how you feel in that moment is how you actually feel. Uh, because, and I know this, I know this because, you know, I was looking as I made money, I was looking to all types of outward things to make me happy. Bought the car, lived in an apartment that was $25,000 a month. Um, was talking to every girl, you can imagine that was a 10 out of 10 out of 10 out of 10, you know? And, but when they all left and like the kind of fun faded from the night before or the drive and I sat there, I didn't feel any different than when I didn't have money. And that was a little surprising to me. Um, it was a little surprising to me to be quite honest. And so I think being fulfilled is super important and what I'm learning or what I have learned, I think is, um, it sucks, but it's like anything else. It's it takes hard work. And I think the way you feel fulfilled is by helping other people, which takes hard work. You have to like when you try when you actually try to make other people happy. I think that's when you feel the happiest. But it's hard. Sometimes it's hard, right? Like your girlfriend or wife wants you to like rub their back or take them on a date, and and you're like busy and you don't want to do it, or you know someone needs help moving and stuff like that. But I think ultimately that's actually how you feel the best. But Unfortunately, like everything else in life, it takes hard work. And I think it makes sense why more people aren't happy because if it, if it was easy to be happy, more people would be. And so unfortunately, the, the lessons I've learned in business, good and bad, it, it kind of applies to your personal life. And so I wasn't that ecstatic when I found out it was kind of like hard work to be happy, quote unquote, because you have to put an effort. It doesn't just happen just because. Um, that's kind of my take on it at least. Best advice you ever received? Hire, I hire a coach, I think. That changed my life. You know, I think when I think about people trying to figure stuff out on their own, I think of you Google something, you get 20 URLs, you click on all of them. They all say different things. So then you have to decide which one's right. And then once you do it, you don't know if you're doing the right thing or wrong thing, or it might be the right thing, but you're doing it wrong. That was so frustrating to me. And I was like, this, this is going to take the rest of my life. So the benefit of hiring someone was, wasn't even if they suck, that's what people don't get. They make all these excuses as if it's an excuse to say, well, what if they scam me or what if they suck? What if they do? Who cares? Because you're going to learn exactly what not to do. And the irony in that is when you know what not to do, then you're going to know what to do. Right. And people don't understand that. I, and that was, that was a shift for me in my thinking when I started understanding when I pay for something, even if it under delivers, I still will learn what not to do, which gets me closer to the right path. And that's how success works. I mean, most successful people, in my opinion, they just go through a door and they keep going through doors till they find the right path. They're just stubborn. And some people might find the right door sooner than others, but that's really all success is. Unless you have a mental disability, there's no reason you can't use deductive reasoning and go, you know, the stove's hot. I'm not going to touch that again. So just hiring people, Rob, honestly. I've spent a million dollars to date on 
hiring people and that's a shitload of money. And I'm like, man, I could have really used that on investments, but I've made 30 X returns so far. So I think it's been worth it. And what's the worst advice you ever received? <laughs> Try to do it on your own or <laughs> like Google it. <laughs> it just, it just won't happen. I just don't think it'll happen. I, I, I'm, I consider myself a very smart person. You know, I did petroleum engineering, did division one football. I did a lot of hard things and I just feel, and I have, and I feel I have a more than average mindset in terms of pain tolerance and I couldn't do it. So I just think, man, if I couldn't do it, that means I'd say the average person can't. And I think that's what holds a lot of people back. You know, it was, it was a revelation for me to finally go, I got to go backwards, AKA debt to learn skills that will make me more money, which is going to get me farther in the long run, you know? So I, I just think most people they're they're too worried about what other people think. And when I finally had the mindset of, I'd rather be success homeless than not be successful. That's when things started to change for me. Is there any one thing in the world that you think is really wrong that you'd like to change? Jeez. So there's like a list, right? Pick one. I don't know how the system would work, but you know, my experience is that people really don't value things they get for free or they don't earn. And I, it's easier said than done. So I know how hard it probably is to run the government, but I would love to see a system where people can get the help they need, but they have to do specific things. So whether it's dig a ditch or do this community service or whatever, so that they value what they get, because it's just like buying a car. You know, if my parents had bought me a Lamborghini, I wouldn't value it. I just wouldn't because I didn't, I don't know what went into it. And I think that's the issue with some of the systems we have where people are just given, but they don't understand what went into it. And I'm not saying that doesn't mean they don't deserve it or some people don't need help. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying that I wish there was a system, a better system where, you know, even me, like, so instead of paying taxes and the government just uses it like complete idiots, in my opinion, I would rather they say, you know what, you have to spend this money on other people or hiring people in your business. Great. I would rather give that money to someone who's going to do something in my business or like give it to someone who's doing some type of community service or whatever, because it just comes down to me. Are they trying? Do they value it? Um, I think that's a big issue with the system because giving stuff to people who don't do anything to earn it, I think it reinforces that behavior. And that is the problem that it doesn't encourage people, at least in America, you know, I'll just speak for America. I think it encourages that behavior to continue versus encouraging them to, okay, so man, this is hard work to get this little amount. What do I have to do to get more? That's at least my take. I, I'm not saying I'm right, but that's a, that's at least something that I've thought about a lot. And does it piss you off or paying all the taxes and what you're doing about it? Yeah, it pissed me off. So, you know, my dad always said, you know, either do something about it or stop bitching type deal. So, you know, uh, I'm in Puerto Rico right now. I'm getting ready to move here at least for half the year. And then I'll be in Miami for the other half and, you know, get the 4% tax. So um, I'm not against taxes either. It's not that. I just don't like people telling me where I should spend my money. I'd rather spend it the way I want because I think I'll use it better. I Some of the stuff I see the government spending on, um, if you actually go look what a lot of the government spend the money on, it's some of it's extremely poorly spent. So that's just my take on it. I don't, I don't think I'm going to go buy a bunch of new stuff or there's not a bunch more material things I want. I just, it's hard to work hard and then kind of 
feel like, you know, you're working really hard and then you don't really keep much of what you worked hard for. And so, yeah, that that's what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> if there's one person alive today, you'd love to see on the disruptive entrepreneur show, who would it be? He's mad. Dude, I'd love to see, you know, I like Gary V. I don't know. Some of the stuff he says, I don't agree with. But I just like the guy. I like the guy. Gary V would be super cool if you ever interviewed him or like, obviously like Elon. I know I'm like, I'm like giving you these like top, top of the galaxy names, but I just like, I just like those guys because I think they're genuine. I think they're trying to like really make moves and I just respect it. You know, I just respect people who at the end of the day are just trying to do their best and they're trying to be their best. And you know, that's it. And they, and they, and I, they seem genuine, you know, you never really know till you meet someone, but they seem genuine to me. And so like, I'm a fan you know, whether they say stuff I agree with or not all the time. Great. We were this close to Elon. We were talking to him and then he went on Joe Rogan and smoked a spliff and his stock price went down. And that was the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this show is called The Disruptive Entrepreneur. What does the word disruptive mean to you, Tanner? I just think you go, I just think it means go against the grain, be different, do the opposite of what most people are doing. It's kind of like what you said earlier. If so, and most people say do this, you probably should do the exact opposite. So I think the name's absolutely perfect. In fact, when I when I started my business, it was funny because um, I, I I called it disrupt athletics. I was doing fitness, and that's kind of what I thought. I was just like, man, I just want to be different. I don't want to be like everyone else. I want to do something else. So um, yeah, your your podcast is named precisely on point. It's it's perfect name. Tanner, where can we follow you? So it's Tanner Chidester. And um, where do you want us to follow you? What socials are you most active on? Yeah, Instagram's good. Tanner at dot or Tanner dot Chittister dot. I can't even say this right now. At Tanner dot Chittister. Sorry. And then, uh, you know, if they go to like EliteCEOs.com, that's my main website. And, you know, people usually have a bunch of questions. They can sift through some of that. So and then, you know, we can serve them some ads. So that's always my favorite. <laughs> All right, let's um, let's write this in the Chidester, C-H-I-D-E-S-T-E-R. Yeah, that's right. There you go. And then we've got EliteCEOs.com. That's right. Yeah, you said the last name right too, bro. I'm impressed. I, I have spent about 90 days in a row with you on Clubhouse. That's true. So. That's true. We, did, we were in a few rooms together. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. So everyone go follow Tanner on um, Instagram, Tanner.Chidester. Uh, let me put his name up here. And also slide into his DMs and get retargeted on ads forever. <laughs> right. And um, EliteCEOs.com is his website. Thanks, Tanner. Really had good fun. Thanks, man. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate Cheers. it. Cheers. See you.